Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. Disease control is a necessity on all high-yielding crops of winter wheat. Developing a well-thought-through strategy tailored to your farm and variety sown will not only support high yields, but also will represent value for money spent. Applying fungicides at the correct growth stage of the crop is critical to achieving good efficacy and maintaining a low level of disease in crops. I'm delighted today to be joined by Dr. Stephen Kildare in Chagas Oak Park and Shay Phelan in Chagas Oak Park as well to discuss disease control in winter wheat. Shay, can I first go to you and ask you, is there a clear way of how cereals grow from year to year? Uh, they do, Michael. Um, like we, 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 They grow pretty much the same way from year to year. So if we start off at planting, they obviously are planted around the same time in October every year um winter cereals that is and you know they grow through winter and they they develop leaves and tillers during the winter period so um when we get to when we get to the springtime of the year then um around the end of uh, or middle or end of march the winter wheat crops generally turn from what is known as the vegetative stage whereby they're producing tillers and each tiller is produced uh, once the th- once there's three leaves on a plant so you get this constant development of tillers during the, the during the winter period but then as we say in in early spring the crop turns from that vegetative stage into the reproductive stage and basically the reproductive stage then is the development of the of the head or the grain uh, in the head so um, that continues then throughout the throughout the spring and on top of that then what we also can see then is we see leaf emergence at regular intervals throughout the spring so a leaf um, emerges every every couple of weeks generally in terms and um, it is determined by the the temperature at the time. So we have a measurement of that called filicron or degree days. So a leaf emerges every 110 to 120 degree days. So it's pretty, it's pretty, um, um, it's it's pretty consistent every year the way the way crops develop. So Shay, just in terms of the, the the leaves, you have sort of you know the leaf that comes out, the very big leaf at the top, and then the other leaves down underneath. Do do we know where those are at this time of the year? Yeah, we we can. We it's it's quite easy to determine those at this stage, Michael. As you say rightly, um, when we get to the end of the year, you see the flag leaf on top, and then you have leaf two underneath that and leaf three underneath that. And if even at this stage they're they're visible. So if you get a plant now and you dissect that plant and you pull apart those leaves, you will be able to to, to determine which leaves are present there at the moment, and you will be able to see all the leaves and the head and the forming head as well. So it's a case of just getting out getting your plants. Stripping back, stripping them back leaf by leaf, and you will be able to see leaf one or flag leaf, leaf two, leaf three, and the head will be there. So you'll be able to see them. So we can come to that now in, in a second. You might maybe bring us through that process. Uh, Stephen, um, can I bring you in there for just a second? Um, because I think we know that there's, it's important to start um, the main fungicide program at a particular stage. And I suppose in the past, um, probably a number of years ago now, it was probably around growth stage 31 was the recommendation, but that's after changing now to leaf three fully emerged. Can you explain to us why there's a change in that? I suppose, look, um, the, the real reason what we're trying to do in terms of protecting the crop from now on is to protect those upper leaves. And it's the leaves that we are protecting from, from disease. They're basically capturing the sunlight and converting it into to carbohydrates that are going to be stored in the grain. Uh, once that head emerges. So the reason we, we sort of look at it and say, okay, it would have been a, a growth stage 31, but that would have captured, I suppose, a, a, a range of potentially where the leaf emergence would have been at. 
you might have had some leaves that would have been fully out at growth stage 31, or they mightn't have been fully out in terms of leaf tree. Um, so what we, we sort of say, okay, we need to be looking at the leaves. We need to be talking about the leaves and not necessarily purely the growth stages. The growth stage may be an indicator, but what we're trying to do, we need to be precise, is to look at that leaf tree fully emerged. The reason we talk about leaf tree fully emerged in itself is the plant is starting to kick into sort of stem extension and starting to move through that stem extension. And we're, we're looking at diseases that are splash borne. So by providing that control on leaf tree, we're, we're introducing a barrier to a certain extent that makes it a little bit more difficult for those uh, diseases such as septoria that will be at the lower parts of the plant to get up onto that upper canopy. As the plant is extending, we're creating that barrier also then with the, the fungicides. But also at that leaf tree, look, as Shea sort of mentioned, you'll see those other leaves that will be emerging at the same time. And at leaf tree fully emerged, we, we know that, look, there'll be a good part of leaf two will already be now too. And we want to get the fungicide onto that to provide protection of that part of leaf two. We're not going to cover the complete leaf two, but we'll cover the top part of it. And that provides protection there. And then when we come back in with our, our flag leaf at a later stage, when the flag leaf is fully out, we'll provide the curativity that's required on the lower part of leaf two. So it's, a, it's about, as I say, that upper canopy and protecting the upper canopy completely. So Stephen, I suppose, going back to the 31 type scenario, you could end up with uh, a cropping at 31 um, with the third last leaf only barely emerged or the third last leaf fully emerged. And we're trying to get away, we're trying to get away from that, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so then Shay, just go back to you for a second then. Um, how, or maybe you might explain how a farmer can find or see where that leaf three is in a plant at the moment. Okay, Michael, so if a farmer goes out in, into a field at the moment and picks up a plant, um, there's obviously going to be a number of tillers on it. So generally you pick, uh, to try and identify what leaf is present, you pick the, the, the main tiller, which is generally the tallest of the tillers on the, on, the, on the stem. So when you look at the plant, you're going to see leaves that are fully emerged, and then you're going to see also a leaf that's emerging. It, may, it might be at various different degrees of emergence. So it'll be kind of rolled up within the leaf sheet. So the, the idea is to try and figure out whether that leaf, what, what leaf that one that's emerging actually is. Is it leaf three, is it leaf two, or is it leaf, leaf four? So what a farmer should do then is take, that, take a couple of samples uh, and don't just rely on one sample because they can vary throughout the crop. So you take a couple of samples, bring them back inside into a, a room, generally speaking, it's easier to do it rather than trying to do it out in the field. And you dissect that, that, main, that main plant or that main tiller. So you start from the top down, you unroll the leaves out as best you possibly can with your fingers. Um, and once you get a leaf unrolled all the way down to where it joins the, the, the node, you break that leaf off and you place it on the, on the, on the table. And then you start unrolling the next one. And what you find is that when you're unrolling a leaf, if you unroll it clockwise the first time, the second one will be anti-clockwise. So they, they go in reverse order. So you, you try and reveal the, the next leaf all the way down again to the node. You take that leaf off and you place it beside the, the one that you've done already. And you keep on doing that until you can see the, the head of the, of the plant. So you should be able to see the, the grain uh, ear sites um, at, the, at the base of the plant. Now, I, the, the one confusing point can be is when you get down to that, that, that head, um, there can be sometimes an extra leaf. We've, we've seen this before, um, whereby in certain years, um, due to weather conditions or whatever it is, an extra leaf is formed on the plant. And that looks like kind of like a hoodie over the, 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 the head of the, of the, of the, 
or the grain, should I say, of the, of the, the plant. So you just kind of have to get down with a, a looking glass or a, a, some sort of a lens or something like that, just to make sure that there's nothing wrapped around that head uh, because it can be very small. It's probably not as applicable now, but certainly a week or 10 days ago, it would be very small and would be very difficult to see with the naked eye. Um, so it's about making sure that, that the presence of that flag leaf, where it's at, is it still wrapped around the head at that stage or is there a, 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 a kind of like a cylinder shaped uh, flag leaf developed at the, um, one or the other and you just measure them back then you count them back then to see which is flag leaf which is leaf two and which is leaf three and as Stephen says it's leaf three that we're targeting at the moment fully emerged so you can see then when you when you place those leaves side by side how far uh, from being fully emerged that leaf three actually is and uh, I think there's a um, well I know actually there is a a video on that uh, on the Chagas Crops YouTube channel. So you can have a look for that uh, and, and it gives a nice demonstration of how that might, might happen. Exactly. exactly. Can you give us uh, just two small questions just around that, Shay? Um, you mentioned the this extra leaf type scenario. Um, is that around this year? And uh, maybe in the same breath, you might also give, give an idea to, to listeners about kind of where the leaf trees are in a general sense around the countryside. Um, we have seen, now again, go back 10 days ago, we have seen... Um, cases where the, the that flag leaf is wrapped around the head and it's it's like I say it's like a hoodie um wrapped around that head and we have seen that but looking at plants yesterday and um on Friday uh, th that seems to have developed now at this stage so you're seeing what's like a little a little cone of a leaf wrapped around the head and that's that's your flag leaf so um for the most part leaf trees are starting to emerge through the leaf sheet uh, at the moment so when you pick up a plant you will see a, a kind of like a pin needle of a leaf, depending on how far advanced it is. Um, and that's leaf three. Um, and they're anything from, from what we're seeing around the country, anything from 10, 15% emerged up to maybe 25, 30, even 40% emerged in some places. So, um, and when you, when you say that they're emerged, like they still have probably another, in a lot of cases, maybe a week or so to, to develop. Um, we know that when a leaf is emerging, it takes about, what we call a, about 110 to 120 degree days to develop depending on the variety. So that's an accumulation of the temperature at the time. So if you take uh, an average temperature this time of year, say 10 degrees, it's gonna take a leaf probably somewhere about 11 or 12 days to fully emerge from start to finish. So if a, if a leaf is halfway out, you're talking probably five, six days between uh, before it's fully emerged so that you can actually spray it. So it's important that people would identify how far emerge that leaf tree actually is at this stage and then you can predict forward when the fungicide should go on that weather conditions permitting and that average that temperature uh, Shay, is that the average day night temperature the average is that what was it average average day night temperature yeah so it's 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 um it's not just the peak temperature you get during the day although that doesn't influence it but it's the average temperature during okay. the day so Stephen I, I want to just come back to you then again for a second um, so Shay was telling us about the leaf emergence and how long that takes and how long it takes for a leaf for you know for uh, might be emerged at 20% today for the next leaf to be 20% out and we can we can have a look at that how well does that um, match disease progression um, you know is it similar with septoria in terms of a cycle of septoria from one postule to the next or, or is, is it different um, or maybe you might have a comment about yellow rust as well? Yeah, so it's, it, it's very much going to be uh, temperature dependent, weather dependent. 
Um, I suppose, look, septoria, it's, it's, a, it's a rain sort of splash disease. So it's going to be a case that you, will, you won't necessarily see disease unless there's a lot of rain splash, a rain splash uh, going on to move the disease to start with. And then once it gets into the plant, temperature and sunlight and everything will impact it. Look, in an ideal sort of condition for septoria, it can take 14 days to go from the point where the spore lands through to its development of the disease. So it's, it's quite a long, what would be regarded as a long latent period. Um, and of course, that's going to very much depend on the variety. The variety will have a, a very big influence in that. It could be that 14 days or it could be up to 28 days, depending if it's a more resistant or a very resistant variety. Um, so that does have an impact in terms of um, matching the disease to its progression. But the one thing I would say is that you, if you do have a case where you don't have uh, like a, a, a week like we've had there before, where we haven't had a huge amount of rain splash, it only takes one or two major sort of events to get that, those spores moving upwards. And then they can move upwards, not just one leaf layer, but they can move a number of leaf layers um, in, in, one sort of, in one sort of shot. It doesn't, it doesn't move that sort of stepwise progression. It can use those leaves as almost a, a sort of a springboard upwards. Um, so it wouldn't be a case, it isn't a case that you're going to see, I suppose, septoria say on leaf six or fine leaf six, five, four, three, two, one. It could go from say six to four to one, uh, depending on the, the, the conditions of, 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 of weather at that time. Yellow rust is a, it's a, I suppose, a, a, it's, it's slightly different in terms of it as a shorter latent period and it will progress up a lot quicker. You'll start to see it a lot quicker coming through in terms of, of, of leaf emergence and you'll see it developing quite quickly. Um, so it would be one that you might see emerging onto those newer leaves even before the leaves are maybe fully out. If there's a lot of yellow rust around in that sort of area, it may actually start to show uh, some symptoms before the leaf is fully emerged. It's very unlikely that you'd see that happening in, in Septoria. Okay, so Steve, we might just pop back to and have a look at maybe Septoria again for a second. It's been quite dry for the last few weeks, certainly down this, in the southern part of Ireland at least anyways. Um, has the Septoria risk receded now for the year or is it still ever present? I, I, I think, unfortunately, in Ireland, it's, 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 it's ever present. Um, there is a lot of disease at the base of the crop. Um, and really what it's going to depend on is the weather from now on uh, going forward. Um, if, if we do get... Uh, weather like last year, 2020, where we had long periods of dry weather, the risk will considerably reduce. If we move into leaf tree, as, as Shea says, it's only at maybe 25% emerged. If we get to 100% emerge and all of a sudden we get a few wet days and a few uh, during the period between leaf tree and flag leaf, we get more wet days, then risk is going to be back up at a high, high level. Okay, so just thinking about that, um, and uh, I, I think our, our weather is supposed to be pretty good, I think, all the way out towards the weekend and into, into early next week. And according to Shea and what Shea was saying a second ago, a lot of the leaves mightn't be fully out maybe at that stage. But what if a farmer is in a scenario whereby leaf three is only 70 to 80% emerged, um, but there's you know quite a bit of broken wet weather in front, in front of that farmer? Um, does the farmer go ahead and, and, and apply that fungicide then? or tough it out and, and hope he gets a break in the weather? This is, this is one question that we get every year, and it is, it's a very difficult sort of question to answer. I think what you're going to have to look at here is the number of different factors that have um, gone beforehand, and it gets back to that IPM. 
what's the variety? If it's a very susceptible variety and you've got a period of four or five, maybe seven days forecasted where it looks wet, then look, I would be thinking it's it, it's worth going out at that 80% emerge because you're going to get protection and you need to get protection onto that. Um, if if it isn't that long period, if there's only a few days of, of, of rain forecast, then yeah, it, it may be well holding it out. And that, of course, then will be built into what the risk has been coming from that. We've had a quite a dry period, so the risk will be that bit lower. So it would be a case of, yeah, it would, I would be looking at maybe wait until that leaf tree is fully out because you're going to get more bang for your buck in terms of a leaf two uh, sort of protection there too. But again, as I say, variety, the risk that has come beforehand, where it is grown in the country, where it might even be grown on the farm and things like that, all have to be taken into account in this sort of scenario. It's not simple, I'd, I'd be honest, but it's, it's, okay. it's basically looking at an APM approach. It's it's for a good considered strategy and 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 maybe with the help of your agronomist comes into it absolutely, as well. Absolutely. And that being said, Stephen, Stephen, there's a I suppose a mind-boggling number of options of fungicides that can be used and applied to wheat, and, and it gets ever more complicated, it appears to me, at least every year. Is there a couple of um products that people should, I suppose, be considering if they're in a high-risk Septoria situation? So this is this is the the sort of scenario in terms of do I use the big guns in terms of your inner track or your revisol at that earlier application, um, or do I use my older sort of SDHIAs? What I would be saying is that yeah, look the high risk sort of varieties they they have a there, there's a risk there, but where we're looking at in the weather over the last couple of weeks, you could argue that the risk okay is in the variety, but it's not in the field because the disease hasn't been allowed to progress upwards as much as maybe it typically would have. And in that sort of scenario, then you'd be looking at, okay, not a huge amount of disease. Where is the forecast? Where is the, the, the leaf in terms of the next five to seven days? If we are in a dry sort of scenario there, we were looking at a lot of protection. And uh, we're not necessarily looking at all that curativity. And, and those older SDHIAs also with that multi-site, your full bit will provide that protection. But that's not going to be all the country. And I think we have to be aware that there will be pockets, there will be parts where there are very susceptible varieties um, and there may be a scenario, there may be cases where that inner trek or your Revisol sort of mixtures will be required on those. But again, this gets back to, yeah, that carefully thought out strategy and understanding what the risk is. Okay. So it's not, it's not it's certainly not a blanket treatment, but um, I suppose look where you are. Uh, where it's wet and predominantly more more wet, I suppose. So I suppose the further south you go, or maybe up towards the the, the very northwest, um, they'll have to be thinking about the, the the higher cost options, I suppose, rather than the lower cost ones. Is is it does that hold true, or is it ring true? The same kind of scenario for yellow rust varieties, or do is there a need to be maybe more cautious with that? I think you need to be more cautious with yellow rust varieties in terms of. Look, as I say, yellow rust can come in and can cause a lot of damage very, very quickly. And I think understanding what, where your, I suppose, risk is in terms of, of yellow rust. Is it a variety that is going to be susceptible to yellow rust? Is there yellow rust in the field? Is there yellow rust in the surrounding areas? And then matching that with a yellow rust active fungicide. And we're talking about um, an azol, sort of something that might be a... a sort of a epoxic nasal if it's available, um, otherwise something like a lattice that would have that salatinol. We have to look at those uh, from that yellow rust um, sort of prone varieties. And, what, and sorry, really Stephen, what varieties that. are we talking about there? J.B. Diego, Bennington, that kind of thing? Absolutely, J.B. Diego, Bennington and Torp. Understand where they're growing. Look, if we're in the Northeast, it's going to be, it's, it's more than likely going to be yellow rust risk there. 
It may not be in your crop, but it may be in the surrounding areas. So you need to know that. You need to know that. Um, and definitely in those varieties, I would be looking at a yellow, uh, yellow rust sort of, sort of fungicide definitely going on at this leaf tree application. Okay. Thanks, Stephen. Um, finally, Shay, I just want to come back to you and um, where people are thinking about uh, applying that final fungicide. So I, I, again, looking at the weather in front of us, it, it appears to me where there could be a pretty big swing in temperatures, um, 15, 16 degrees during the daytime and potentially a frost at nighttime. Um, would you have any concerns in those conditions about applying a fungicide to that leaf tree being fully out? Um, I, ideally, look at Michael, you try to avoid frosty weather or, as you say, those big swings in day and nighttime temperatures. But I mean, needs must. Um, if there's if there's pressure on there to get get a fungicide on, um, yeah, I think I would go ahead with it. Now, that's that being said, um, there are probably a couple of things that I wouldn't do um, in terms of mixing other products in. So I would try and not make the mix as complicated as I possibly could. I'd try and make it as simple as I possibly could. So that might mean going through the crop maybe twice rather than once. So if you have jobs like wild oats to contend with, maybe trace elements, PGRs, and a fungicide to go in, I'd be very reluctant to add all those into one mix. So I would be inclined to try and split that up. Um, I mean, if you're spraying and put it straight, if you're spraying in, frosty conditions you're going to scorch anyway no matter what's in the tank so whether it be a fungicide or all the other products as well so i would try and be as easy on the crop as i possibly could do the critical um jobs that need be done that need to be done like peat, uh, plant growth regulation and fungicide application they're probably the critical ones in terms of timing the others can be done you know around that so i would try and not complicate the tank mix try and go as easy on the crop as i possibly can um, try and avoid the real hot part of the day or the real cold part of the day as well. So don't start too early in the morning or do it in the in the in, in the really hot part of the day if, if at all possible. Like it's but it's easy for me to say that if a guy has a lot of ground to cover, they just want to get it done. Um, so it's just kind of taking those kind of tips, trying to not to not to put on too hot of a mix on the on the crop, and that should be as as good as you possibly can do. Okay, Shay, thanks very much. Good sound, sound advice. So to, to a degree, no, no more than what Stephen was talking about, the, uh, whether it's septoria or yellow rust, there's a bit of a strategy around all of these applications, whether it's the, the choice of product you pick or um, when you are going to apply that product. Shay, thank you very much for your, for your time. And we'll be back to you again on the podcast uh, later on in the year. And Stephen as well, thank you very much. And we'll be back to you again as well. No problem, Michael. Thanks very much. Okay, so that's it for this week, but just another reminder that the Chagas Crop Agronomy webinar series continues in a couple of weeks on Tuesday, May the 4th at 11.30am. For more details, go to chagas.ie. Don't forget, if you like this podcast, recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more farming news, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.